0: Hi, I'm Tina Spangler with TLC Barrels, and welcome to my weekly Q&A podcast. Today is August 22nd of 2023, and this is Q&A number 158. Today I would like to welcome some new members to my Facebook virtual coaching group. Rejoining is Vanessa out of Texas, uh, new member, Shayna out of Texas, and Nicole from Georgia. Today's topic is going to be the first rides on your colt. It's part two of my cult starting series. It started last week in the uh, Facebook virtual cr- group. I posted an outline of it as well as um, videos, et cetera. So today's going to be the first rise, which is really, really important. And I know a lot of you are looking forward to that part. Um, before I get into that, I'd like to give some updates, reminders for the group, and also a, a story before the Q&A and the topic. Um so far, we've had nine personal bests for August, which is pretty good considering a lot of people aren't competing right now. Um, my group fluctuates and my business is the slowest in August of August and September of, um, of every year. It seems like it's when things get the slowest because in the South, it's pretty hot and humid. A lot of people just try to keep their horses legged up but aren't competing as much. And then they can go full throttle come the cooler weather by October. Till June again so that's kind of our down season is July August and September is when things slow down a little bit for a lot of people but now of course the members we have members in 26 states so other states like Texas and other southeast states or south uh, states are hot too but um, up north and some of our, our west coast members they're still competing and I'm still reviewing their videos so that's all good um, and remember the challenges for this month uh, the summer series, I'm putting things in the group every week. This last week was about using your horse's hindquart- hindquarters better. Um, it's also about finding joy in every single day, even when it's hard to. You know, there's always, it's all about perspective. You know, it can always, you know, be worse, but it can also be better. And that's why from day to day, we just have to find the joy in that day, you know, so keep that in mind as well. Mindset's a really important thing to your success in life and all of your goals and dreams. So um, as far as the story I wanted to share in the last week, I've been kind of, you know, watching and seeing people's perspective on things. And, and, um, you know, sometimes we get really caught up in the barrel racing world with barrel racing competition and all of that. And sometimes we don't look outside our world. Like, For me, I looked outside of my circle a lot this past week because there was a hurricane four, cat four going towards my mother in Southern California and some other family and friends. And um, so I was watching that closely and kind of helping my mom prepare for it. And, and, um, but luckily it just, you know, downgraded to a tropical storm and she only got three and a half inches of rain, which is still a lot in the desert, they get three inches a year. Uh, Where in Florida, we could get three inches in a day. So it's certainly a big change for them. You know, we get that weekly in our wet season and they get that spread out over a year. So she definitely had her five acres at a roping arena. Uh, A lot of it was ankle deep and flowing from one side of the property to the other. But the biggest scare in deserts is flash floods because it comes off the mountains that they're surrounded by. And the mountains got like 10 inches. So it all has to come down to the desert. And nobody can, you know, suck up that much rain. So it, you know, turns into sand and water flooding through the roads and stuff, wherever the lowest areas are and least resistant. So I-10 was closed in Palm Springs and all that. But luckily, they're all fine. Everything worked out. And uh, so with that said, though, I've been seeing some harshness on the Facebook um, with people and stuff. And, you know, I found over time that there's always two sides to every story. And then there's the truth. And what I mean by that is everybody thinks they're right. No one thinks they're wrong. And everybody sees things from their perspective, their point of view. And I just, I guess all I want to say on that without going into any detail is just as much as you can. I mean, no one likes when people quote the Bible or you know, you know, Adam, or they feel like hypocrites sometimes or Bible thumpers and, and all that. And I, and I understand that because we've all been in situations where we all know we've all made mistakes. We've all screwed up. We've all done things we shouldn't, but it seems like sometimes we just hold higher in account people that have quote the Bible a lot, or maybe quote themselves as Christians a lot. And and we don't think they're allowed to make mistakes, but they do too. And they see things from their perspective. So to me, I always think it's all about, you know, taking care of each other, being kind to each other as much as we can. Um, If you have a problem with someone, you should take it up with them in person, not publicly on social media, if you can, Um, and try to be kind, even when you don't see eye to eye. Um, Nobody wants anybody to be bullied. As, As parents and adults, we should always be looking to our children. Um, There's a lot of mental issues out there these days and suicide rates and everything since the COVID pandemic seems a little bit more fragile and our younger generations, they need to have good mentors. They need to have people who are not bullies but are kind and try to, you know, help others and try to see things from other people's point of view and, you know, take care of horses properly and, take care of people kindly and all that so that's all I wanted to say on that and just I'm hoping if it you know this touches somebody it does and if you're a person who is being bullied or feel you know just remember this too shall pass and you just you know try to do the right thing and let it go and move on and um and you know just remember perspective is everything hurricanes earthquakes all of that stuff you know sick family members a loss of a horse or a dog or you know just anything like that. Those are all much bigger things than the little bit of other stuff someone might be dealing with. But again, just uh, just try to be kind to each other. So, um, let's see here. The questions that came in this past week, and then I'll get into the topic. Uh, the best exercises for barrel racing to build your ride to build your riding balance and strength. Um, the Honest to God, best way to uh, get yourself in shape is spend as much time as you can in the saddle. Saddle time develops your balance, your core. You could ride bareback. You could ride in an English saddle. You could ride with no stirrups. But let's let's say you can't ride a lot or maybe you only have one horse and you can only ride that horse so much. Um, so you don't have, you know, eight horses in the barn to ride or whatever. Um, the second thing would be Pilates and yoga, anything that really works on your core strength. And then the third thing are balance balls. There's, you know, things out there, balance boards, balance balls, all, all of that develops your core strength. but also teaches you to have uh, good balance um, coordination. And, and that's something I find um, is important as a barrel racer to have that quick eye and hand coordination and balance and rhythm and, um, It just, those are my top three suggestions. The next question was about non-sweaters. Any suggestions for that? First, I wouldn't be riding a non-sweater. It's too hot. The second thing, I'd definitely be making sure that they're out of the sun during the day. If you can get them in a stall with a fan or someplace with shade and an airflow. Um, And then as far as treatments, obviously you can talk to your veterinarian. um, But every horse is going to respond different. I see people... Try dark beer. They try the AC one supplement. Some people use those EquiWinter patches. Um, with dynamite, we recommend Ismine putting on their food. It's a electrolyte mineral. It's you know black, um, and it really does help with that. Also, grooming a horse backwards, um, you know, if you acupuncture is helpful, but actually taking a curry comb and going from their back feet through their body to their head and just their whole body groom their hair backwards, something about it along with the ismine really gets their uh, electrolytes kind of flowing and and balances their, their hair. It just kind of develops them. So you just kind of do it, take a curry comb and just brush them completely backwards. And some horses will start sweating with that along with the ismine, but but there are things you can try. It is a, a life-threatening thing. You would want to have a thermometer on hand and be able to take your horse's temperature if possible. Um, you know, make sure they're not running hot. If they are, you know, you can cold hose them and call your vet and, you know, keep them in front of a fan and in the shade, all of those things. But, but anyways, it's a scary thing um, and it's been a hot year. So it's definitely a life-threatening thing if your horse... Um, some horses aren't going to sweat at rest in the shade. um, But if you watch their nostrils and their flanks, if they're not sweating and their nostrils and flanks are going, that is not good. And that means they're in distress. So so definitely watch your horses. And like I said, if you ride a horse for just 15 minutes slow, they will be hot and sweaty quick. So you have to watch them close. Like even doing a one hour lesson right now, I'm only doing them first thing in the morning or the last hour of the evening and uh, one hour is a lot and we take breaks and we mostly walk and trot not very much loping Um, and you know it's based on the horse's fitness but it's just this heat Um, it's not you know it's really tough so just be smart use common sense and you know, obviously keep those horses hydrated and all of that. So, all right. So we ended off, I'm excited to get into the topic today. We ended off on step seven when they're two years old. Um, that's really important just to re, re go back to that. Um, re retouch that a little bit. Uh, you want to make sure they already understanding the voice command. Whoa, that's going to be your friend. Then do that from the ground, either lunging or on the round pin. Um, and I, I mentioned you should already be ponying them with the saddle, uh, lunging them with the saddle, all that stuff. That way they're used to a rider above them. You've already done a ton of down, um, desensitizing to build their confidence that they can, um, not be afraid of things and, and spook in place. Basically, if they're afraid of something and then they stand still, um, that's all good. Um, that would be an important thing to do. And, um, you should maybe already stand on a, mounting block and leaning over them and petting them and telling them it's okay so all of those things you you should know already they can face flex head down left and right laterally face flex disengage your hindquarters you have desensitized them they are relaxed nothing's bothering them so do not skip any of those steps until you have that calm confident horse on that previous step so colt's colt starting part one was last week be sure to listen to that um that would be in um uh, number 157 i believe so um as far as the q a podcast goes so so now we're at step eight um, by now you should already be trailer loading and unloading your horse once a week the reason why it's so important that your young horses or your brood mares or any horse on your property loads is that god forbid a maui fires situation like they had in hawaii happens you need to be able to load your horses and get out before it gets out of control. Some people waited too long or it happened too fast and then the traffic was horrible and they couldn't even get out and they had to get out of their cars and jump in the ocean. Obviously, that's an island, a different situation. But, but imagine if everybody had to get out of where you live in a forest fire Would your horses load? Would you be able to get out in emergency in a hurry? That's why it's so important that your horses load calm and confidently. I cannot tell you how many lessons, clinics that people have shown up late or not shown up at all because they couldn't load their horse the day of the event. So you don't wait till the day of the event or the emergency to teach your horse. Do it once a week um, or feed them in there every night until they like going in there just to hang out. Um you know it's something that you don't want to just uh ignore so that would that would have a good uh go forward cue where they load in the trailer without you just tap them on the hip and they go in they should have a back out cue where they will back out of a trailer and not turn around where in case you have to put them in a straight load and not a slant that would be good now some horses you know they they got issues and they want to turn around and stuff so pick your battles but but definitely work at it each day. Prepare them before you put them in the trailer with those cues. Um, and like I said, it's just really important for the horse in case of an emergency. Um, also, you want to teach them to tie safely with that tie ring that I mentioned. You can use the natural horsemanship tie rings. You can uh, use the Clip-It. Any of those are great. I think the Clip-It's like 25 bucks, and you can take it anywhere with you. I have them on my horse trailer on the inside, the outside. I have them in my cross ties in my barn. I love them. If a horse gets scared or panicky, they can't break their neck or hurt themselves. And um, they can get pulled away. So, um, and you never know what's going to spook a horse, you know, especially when you're at barrel races. I've seen pigs come out of nowhere, cows and other horses running loose with things chasing them. You know, and they run by your horse, and your horse spooks. So, you know, just it's good to be uh, safety first. So, so getting that behind us, let's get into step number nine. Um, this can happen in their two to three year old year, depending on their growth. You definitely want to have a veterinarian tell you if they think their joints are ready. You can have their knees x-rayed, their hocks x-rayed. You know, if you see any swelling in their their ankles, or you know their um. Fetlocks, any of that area, it's definitely worthy of having a vet check them and X-RAM because you don't, you know, the, knee, the knees, the growth plates, all that stuff, it's really important you're not getting on them too much too soon. And you also want to limit how much circle work or deep sand work you do. As soon as you can get out of the round pin and get into the arena or the pasture where you're doing more uh, straight work and not so much circle work, the better on a young horse. And once you do get those first rides in, Um, you can give them breaks you can ride them for 30 days and then kick them out for 30 days you know you don't have to be a constant thing so that gives them time to be a horse and to mature but yet they've got they've they're like little sponges so so before our first ride which which is exciting the first ride is one of those rides where in the back of your mind god gives you fear And fear is to keep you safe. So you're like, okay, I think I've done my prep work. Never go against your gut instinct. If it doesn't feel like you should go further than that point where you're at, don't. There's always tomorrow. Remember, we don't want to overpressure or have a bad experience or scare them. These are very important rides. And you must learn to breathe and be calm and pet them and let them reassure them that, hey, I'm calm. I'm confident. I'm happy. This is good. And you should be calm, confident, and happy, and know this is good. So I want you at this point to have a routine now. At least three or four days a week for a minimum of 30 minutes, you should be, number one, tying and grooming your horse. Number two, saddling and maybe putting the bit on their, over their halter or on uh, whatever you're planning to use their first rides. You could just ride in the rope nose halter or a side pull. Um, number three you should be lunging if you don't if you don't have a round pin or round penny ponying them with the saddle those are all things that should be part of your routine number four desensitizing on the ground desensitizing builds confidence it teaches them to where they would normally spook and run to now stay in place and not bolt when they're scared so you're showing them hey you can stand here and deal with whatever's coming at you And then number five, um, the face flexing left, right, and head down cue. The disengaging the hindquarters, yield the front end, backing, going forward. Um, And, of course, woe to a voice command as well. And you've probably already done ground driving. So they're used to left rein, go left, right rein, go right. They're used to seeing you above them because you're ponium. All those things are done. So now we're at step 10, the exciting one, Okay. Um, By by having the routine, though, of step nine, that step nine is really important. By having steps, it will prevent bad turnouts. So what I mean by that is if you get your horse out and you just saddle them and take them and get on them, there's a chance you're going to scare them and they're going to buck. But if you go through the routine that you always do of lunging them with their saddle at a walk, at a trot, at a lope both ways, making sure that they're in the thinking side of their brain, not buck and bolt and goofy side um all this stuff matters make sure the saddle fits them at this point you've lunged enough with the saddle you should see if you have any dry spots or if the saddle's pinching them anywhere if they're bucking with the saddle um you should have them comfortable in whatever halter or side pull or bit you already are going to have that first ride in all these things are done before that first ride okay and like i said um you want to also have your vet's approval for either x-rays um Or just saying if they think they're they're okay for you know at two or three you know some people wait till they're three if they're smaller um, or that's just how they do it and again you don't have to go hey I'm going to ride you for a full year your two year old year your three year old year you could do thirty days on thirty days off sixty days on thirty days off whatever works for them so um, but always start with that groundwork have that routine those five that I mentioned the tying and grooming the Saddling, the lunging, or, or round pinning, the desensitizing, and the face flexing, all of that. So, um, okay, so now we're going to that first ride. So I'm either going to round pin them or lunge them, whatever my normal thing is. Walk, trot, and lope both ways with the saddle, no rider. Once they seem relaxed and calm with that routine, the first two rides should only be a passenger ride if possible. What I mean by that is you'll have two people. Now, when I did Rocky, I was by myself. So I just did in my way. But whenever I'd have like clients, I used to when I, um, I've done a lot of colds without two people, but I like it if I can have two people for the first two rides. So I'd have one of my clients or students come over, I'd have my son or my ex help me and, um. And what I would do, remember, the person in the saddle is just a passenger. The person on the ground is doing the dictating, just like always for the last two years of their life. The person on the ground says what to do. The person in the saddle, when they go to get on, the first time you go to get on, like I mentioned in steps before, you may just put weight in the stirrup and lean over them and pet them on both sides and say you're a good when that could be considered their first ride and be done for the day. And they'll be like, oh, that wasn't so bad, her standing in the saddle or leaning over my back. And I stood, I was calm, and it winded well. So the first day that you swing your leg over, okay, the very first time you swing your leg over, you can have, a, a, you should hold the reins. You should have split reins hooked to the halter or, or side pull or bit, whatever you're using. But the person next to you, the lunger, should have their halter for lunging and their lunge rope on them. And they can hold them and talk to them. And, um, the first time you go to get on, um, that person can hold them and, and, and pet them and you swing up and you pet them and you just sit there. That's one way to do it. Um, the other way is no lead rope on, but the person stands next to them. And when you get on, you say, whoa, and you will, the only thing the passenger rider will do before the moving out, they will face flex them three times left, three times, right. They will also, once they're relaxed at that, petting and rewarding for each try. They will then disengage the hindquarters one step at a time each way. But let's say if you want to disengage to the left using your, I mean, sorry, uh, disengage yeah, with your left leg in the back cinch, you're going to get the nose to the foot with your left hand first. So get the nose to the left, to the foot, your foot in the saddle, and then disengage one full time around one step at a time. And then release and pet. And then you do the right side as well. And then after that, um, after you disengage and face flex both sides, then you're going to let the ground person tell the horse to move out. At any given time the horse over-responds, you'll do a one-rein stop and disengage the hindquarters and say, whoa. Um, If the ground person is on the line with you, that's fine. Or they can take the line off and just let them walk around uh, and and again anytime they do more than just what you speed you say in what direction you would shut them down but they should go off fine the first cue just like lunging the the ground person will cluck and you can cluck but do not kick these horses yet desensitizing them to your leg happens when you dis, disengage their hindquarters by the way so be careful i wouldn't wear spurs on their first rides i wouldn't wear anything but just your boots and um you can wear a helmet, um, and I would just, you know, you're you're strictly being the passenger at this point. And uh, other than the face flexing and the disengage in the hindquarters, the first moving out, the person on the ground's going to cluck and point and drive just like normal. If they don't go out, they can spank the whip on the ground. If they don't go out, they can tap the whip on the ground. I mean, on their hip or tail, just like they would normally. Now, later on, you'll use your split reins to do the same thing. You would cluck, maybe tap with your legs lightly. If that doesn't listen, use a... Use, a little bit of your split rein to go forward. So we, you know, do it in three stages. Ask, ask, take. Just like on the ground, just like in the saddle. But the first two rides, you let the ground person do most of it. And then the ground person is going to have it set in their head. You're going to walk around one time, say, whoa. And when they say, whoa, you sit and exhale and take your legs off completely. Sit in the saddle loose. You shouldn't be using much leg now anyways, but be sure you're relaxed. Your reins are pretty loose. And then say, whoa as well and if they don't stop you're going to do the one rain stop and then you guys are going to pet them disengage the hind quarters and then change directions to the other direction and then you do it to the right okay so that's what I would do one circle around left at a walk one circle around right at walk if that's going good then you can um either just end it on that walking around a couple times each way and that can be their first ride And then the next day, you can do it again, go through all those steps, and then you may want to trot that day. And when you trot, you can do a little slow post or sit calmly. Uh, But again, letting the ground person push them out. And then anytime they speed up a little, you can pick up the reins a little if they think they're going to go too fast. Again, one rein stop, disengage. Uh, Like I said, you can do it on a lunge line. You can do it free lunge in the round pin whatever's your normal thing with that horse but the goal is to not have any drama um and you want to be in a closed area so if you don't have an around pin at least a small arena that way you've got those one rein stops and disengage the hindquarters for control that's very very important um and it, it's very important that between everything you do when you first get on pet pet them on their neck Um, when you, uh, you know, you also want to get them used to when you hold their nose, get them used to your, you know, petting them in places and they should already be desensitized your hands waving or tapping them on their butt. None of that's going to scare them because you've already done so much on the ground to get them used to you being louder or flapping your hands or any of that stuff. Or when you're ponying them, you butt your pony horse up to them and then pat them on the butt, pat them on the saddle make noise when you're above them on your safe horse than when you're on them their first time. So make sure you've done all that on the pony horse. I used to take my colts and snub them up to my, to buddy or little sister. And, um, you know, their, their tail and their, their face would be opposite. So, um, so I could tap them on the back of the saddle and I can make them move their hips around and, and, you know, buddy and sister would push them around with you know, their face to their butt kind of deal and push them around. I'd tap them on the butt, bang the saddle around, pet them on the head, pet them on the neck, just get them used to my hands. I'd lift my hands high, lift my hands out. I'd kind of smack, make noises. It's very important that they have no issues with you moving around above them. But remember, horses have only seen humans for two or three years to the side of them, not above them. So that's why the pony and before is super important. And, um, and getting them comfortable with you pushing them around from another horse and being above them and tapping them on the butt and all of those things are really important. So um, so the first two rides, again, you can just do it at a walk trot both directions. The, the, um, the ground person is the one who moves them out, but the, the saddle person is the one who will definitely say, whoa, definitely do the one rein stop, definitely disengage the hindquarters. And then you want to graduate where the ground person by the third ride maybe does less, and then the uh, person in the saddle starts to do more, but the ground person is there to back up the saddle person now. So you will see, um, you know, how they're acting. Um, and again, any hot spots, any gut feelings that they say this isn't ready, just go back to the previous step. You know, you don't have to push it. Um, and some colts will be ready to walk, trot, and lope, maybe their first time. Um, others may need a week of two, week or two of just trotting. I've seen other colts that have needed a month of just walking and trotting. So you don't have to rush it and you just kind of have to play with your gut. The first time I ever lope though, I long trot for a really, really long time. And I just long trot, I just long trot and I just make sure they feel like they're 100% cool with it. And then they just kind of almost go off on it on their own. They're just tired of trotting and they're ready just to lope. So it's not like you have to whip them or push them or anything like that into the lope or kick them really hard. That's you want to avoid any of that kind of stuff. You want to desensitize the leg, but you don't want to have to use spurs or any big movements or big cues if you can avoid it. So that's why just walking and long trotting and post trotting, all of those things are really good in the beginning you can sit jog if they're a more nervous horse or post quietly if they're a more forward horse all of those things um so at this point uh like i said you can you know before your first rides you've already done all of those things and you will be kind of nervous the first time like the first time i get on any colt i'm like you know i sure hope that i've done my stuff and. And sometimes I just get on and get off and that's my first ride. And then sometimes, like I said, I just walk them both directions and that's my second ride. And then maybe my third ride is uh, is walk and trot both directions and I'm done. I'm watching to see what the cult's telling me that they're relaxed. What I get nervous about is a colt that's too calm in the round pin. And then they show their craziness when they get out of the round pin in the arena or or the pasture. So definitely if a colt's acting too calm, you might want to increase your uh, activities in the round pin before you, and what I mean by that is you've walked, trot, and loped in the round pin before you go out to the arena or the pasture. Because the first time they lope, you don't want to be out in a 500 acre pasture, and they decide let's buck and bolt, you know. So you want to have that in more of a confined area like a, a round pin or a small arena something like that so these are all things to keep track of and remember we're trying to build we're starting horses not breaking horses so we're trying to do it in a way that it's always a positive experience not a negative experience so that would be um let's see that's all of step 10. i'll read that a little bit better here we go let's see, preparing for that first ride, so you, you, um, I mentioned what all to do there, and then, like I said, you can get on and off three times as your first one, and then, like I said, face flexing, all of those things, okay, so step 11, your third ride, repeat all the normal steps that you would do for preparing, like your groundwork to the saddle, your lunging with the saddle, all of that, your face flexing, your disengaging, all of that, and then, Um, once, like I said, the rider's on, they're sitting on them. They face flex them three times. They disengage their hindquarters at least two times each way. Um, and the rider, uh, has the horse walking, trotting, loose rainbow, face flex, disengage hindquarters. And like I said, the third, by the third ride, you should be able to do more from the ground person just watching and the rider doing most of the work. Um, I did Rocky without anybody present just because I tend to be by myself a lot, but a lot of my client horses, I'd have one of my clinic assistants come help or like I said, my son or my ex-husband, whatever, they always were there. Somebody would help me for the first two or three rides that I felt confident. And then the first time I go in the arena, I asked one of my clients or my son to be in the arena and with me on a seasoned horse. The first time I went out in the 500 acre cow pasture to push cows or to walk through water, go through the woods and stuff i also have a seasoned horse with us that they can just kind of follow and build their confidence from and then after they follow that horse through the cattle and the water and all that then i try to go first and again it all doesn't have to happen the first time it can happen over time so um so that's step 11 step 12 is all of the above steps you're calm and confident um at the walk trot and maybe even the lope at this point Um, In the round pin or the arena, both directions, Um, be sure your woe cue is solid. Your one rein stop and you're disengaging your your hindquarters is solid. Uh, Ride with a seasoned horse, like I said, where the colt can follow. Um, Some horses, you may feel that they can lope the first few rides. Others, you may want to stay at a trot longer. Um, You must read their confidence level. Um, Be sure they're not bucking with the saddle at a lope um, when you lunge them or round pin them before you get on to measure their mindset. That's really, really important. Um, I also like to post trot for a really long time and just kind of let them flow into that lope. You almost feel like, hey, they're ready. They want to. So that's important. Um, Again, first rides, we're not worried about lead yet. Leads we can work on later. Right now we're just working on calm and confidence first rides where they're enjoying it and we're enjoying it and everybody's licking and chewing and exhaling and cocking a leg and not scared and tense and um holding their breath so and that's the rider and the horse okay so always repeat your ground steps and you are desensitizing before every ride um, be sure your colt is on the thinking side of their brain not the buck bolt and play side your goal is to have A student that loves to learn is calm and confident and ready to move on from first grade to second grade. Step 13, this will be three to four years old or after 90 um, days of simple rides. Now that you've got a colt that is confident with a rider on their back, it's time to add some buttons and get them fancy broke. Again, we only move up a grade at a time with fancy broke being high school and barrel racing training being college and competition would be the real-world job. So don't worry, you know, elementary school, you're going to take your time getting the basics on your horse. Um, we want to teach a horse cues to communicate their face, their neck, their shoulders, their ribs, and their hip. By having these five uh, cues for body parts and hoof placement, it, um, it, the, having the five body parts that I just mentioned helps with hoof placement and connecting to their minds. Um, horses do not get hard mouths, in my opinion. They get hard brains, and they get hard brains from not understanding what the rider wants from them. So that's something that's very important. Um, so that's I, I think that that's very important that people understand that. Um, so some of the foundation that you're going to want to put onto your horses, Uh, Face flexing at a standstill, a walk, a trot, and eventually a lope for laterally, left and right, and vertically, breaking in the pole. You're going to want direct rein, and you're going to want neck reining, moving off leg for the shoulder, ribs, and hips for side passing, rollbacks, leg laterals, two tracking, transitions, and perfect circles at all speeds and sizes. Also picking up correct leads, a loose rein woe, backing straight lines and circles, counter arcing, and so much more. I hope this outline gives you a guidance of where to start with your colt on the ground and in the saddle. And of course, each horse will need to go at their own pace based on their confidence level. Lastly, our end goal is to improve our connection with our horse. And my theories, Ride With Heart, are based on love, trust, respect, and communication of cues. We want to always be improving our horsemanship, paying attention to our energy, body language, timing, and feel of our cues. And try to remember to always ride 80% with your eyes, your voice, and your body, and maybe 18% with your legs, and maybe 2% with your hands. At any point in time, you may be using one of your five cues for your rider cues, or all five, depending on what they need from you. Eyes, voice, body, hands, and legs. So don't forget the five body cues, um, or five cues for the rider are eyes, voice, body, hands, and legs. And the five body parts you want to have control of are face, neck, shoulder, ribs, and hips, which ultimately help you with hoof placement and connecting to their mind. Um, so this outline should be considered at least over 90 days to process from the very first rides. The first 30 rides, the first 30 days should be on the ground. The next 30 days should be on the ground and in the saddle. And then maybe the last 30 days will be more time in the saddle. But like I said, there shouldn't ever be any 30 day miracles, but I know if you're paying a trainer... You don't really want to pay for more than 90 days so this is a start but if you could do it over a whole year and do a little bit uh, a little bit at a time over an entire year that's even better or a couple years you know that's our our, ultimately our, our um our goal is to improve our connection with our horse based on love trust respect and communication and cues we always want to be improving our horsemanship paying attention to those things that I talked about earlier, Um, energy, body language, timing, and feels. So I would not start on the barrels until they can do all of the above that I just mentioned. Um, Once they're advanced basics, then I would also want to be able to do some of my TLC drills on them before I ever go above or walk or trot on the actual barrel or pole pattern. Um, Before I would ever lope barrels, they should be able to do TLC drills like D pattern, single barrel, um, figure eight, uh, big and small circles, all of that. So let's see here. Uh, It's important that you have them working off your seat and you you doing less than them doing more as well as you go along. So in the beginning, it can feel like 80% you and 20% them. And then eventually it's 60% you and 40% them. And then some glorious day, a couple years down the road, you'll have a 50-50 team. um, And you've developed a willing partner and a horse with heart for sure. So um, my personal preference for colt starting is two years old for groundwork, three years old for their first rides and colt starting barrel training and hauling for exhibitions at four years old, and competition for fraturity or novice year at five years old. For me, I always felt like my horse would last me longer, giving them more time in the beginning to physically and emotionally grow up. Some horses do mature quicker, mind and body, and maybe they would be bored if they didn't um, you know start at you know they might be better off to be in the saddle at two and learning barrels at three and compete at four but in my my humble opinion my personal horses I did it the other way I did uh, first rides at three with basics and then uh, four-year-old pattern and hauling and five-year-old first competition so again everybody has their own way of doing things um like I said, a lot of my client horses, I did it the other way. It just depends on the individual and, like I said, working with your vet and your client and, and the putting the horse first. So, so I think I'm going to go ahead and close there. And um, I hope you found the Colt Starting Series helpful. And um, there are videos to go with all of that in the Colt Starting section of the Members Only Place. If there's a video that you'd like more detail on, I'll be happy to make it for you. Uh, Just let me know. And then, uh, you know, and then also uh, I would like to just close by saying, um, you know, if you if you've ever wondered uh, why you feel closer to God uh, when you're with your horse or maybe when you're alone, um, I think it's healthy being alone or spending time riding your horse, your quiet time. I think it's a healthy time for us because I feel like when you're with your horses, you tend to be in that quiet place, that earthy part of yourself where it's just you and your horse and you're working together as a team. And, you know, some people are really bad about being on the phone with their friends when they ride their horse or, or being, you know, preoccupied talking to other people when they ride the horse. I don't like that. Like I even had a friend call me once and she's like, I'm riding my horse. I'm like, oh, well, call me when you're done. She's like, why? I can talk to you while I ride. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, see, see me, when I ride my horse, it's my time. I want to connect to my horse. I don't want to talk to my girlfriend. I want to connect to my horse. So everybody's different, you know, but to me also that time, it allows me to hear God's voice. And um, that's sometimes why I feel closest to God when I'm riding, or doing my barn chores, it's my quiet time. It's my time to listen to my gut, my intuition. It's my time to kind of try, you know, try to hear what I'm supposed to be doing for my growth or my goals or my next level. So, so I guess what I'm saying is, the next time you ride by yourself, pay attention if you're present and you're there listening um, to your horse and to you. And, uh, and don't always, you know, be in the outside world all the time. You know, get get close to, you know, your horse and get close to God and, and you know, and, and you. I think it's alone time is good. Um, to be alone is not being lonely. It's actually, for a lot of people, it's really healthy. Their blood pressure goes down. Their heart rate slows down and especially being around their horses. So thank you guys for tuning in. And as always, ride with heart and God bless you all.